so I've got a couple of tabs up here at the top of my browser <laughs> that uh, are eBay tabs for PlayStations that I shouldn't buy. <laughs> because I want I want to have them so right. that eventually when I want to buy the three times as expensive mod kits to throw into them <laughs> that I can have them but then it's just as is I could just as easily close them and not lose anything right because I can just go to eBay then and search for them right the thing but is, it's... I yeah, I have a PlayStation, but it can do one of the mods I want, but not both of the mods I want. And so I need the right model in order to uh, get the mods I want out of it. So and what are the two mods that you want to be able to do? Yeah, so I want an uh, HDMI, a direct digital video output called PS1 Digital. And then I also want an optical drive emulator so that I can load an SD card full of all of my dumped games into it and just play them off I just yeah so yeah. basically just to have a uh, a PlayStation 1 that uh, outputs digital and analog preferably but that also uh, uh, loads digital instead of uh, from an optical drive. Nice. Hey, that's um, really cool. I, I, those are solid mods for sure. Yeah, but but now's not the time. That's I mean, we're talking three, four hundred dollars worth of expenses to get that happening, and at that point, I should just wait. Uh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it sounds awesome for sure, and. I can see you being the hardware guy of the two of us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being a, a nice add to your, to your setup for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think actually ties in nicely to what our topics are. So before we do that, I need to introduce ourselves. Uh, so this is retro resolutions, a podcast about retro games and I'm Dylan. This is Matt. And uh, this week, honestly, we just, it's been a while, and I wanted to just kind of talk about some of the stuff we've been doing with retro games lately, and, and the things we're, like, currently excited about. So, maybe it's a little early in our podcast discography <laughs> to do kind of a grab bag, but I don't care. Uh, life's right. been hectic, and I think this is going to be fun to chat with you about, so whatever. We're going to do it. Agreed. Uh, so the last thing you emailed me about, I really am interested in. You you talked to me about Amiibo emulation, which honestly isn't very retro. So we'll get it out of the way early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of a funny thing, and you're right. It isn't really a it isn't really a retro. But uh, so Amiibo. Um, you know, is this product that you buy these toys and they're little collectible. They're not really toys. They're little collectible uh, figures that have uh, a chip in them, a near field chip, NFC, that uh, you can put near, say, your Nintendo Switch. And that chip will enable like 
an add-on in the game that you're playing. Like, uh, for example, uh, the new Metroid game. The new Metroid game, you can uh, uh, buy some of the retro, uh, Metroid uh, figures like Samus, and uh, it'll if you put the near-field uh, communication on, it will uh, uh, give you like an extra tank for your missiles or give you additional uh, life tank or different things like that. So it really gives you um, a pretty nice advantage to the game. And a lot of these, a lot of these can be used once every 24 hours. So depending on what, what, what you're getting, uh, it's, it, it could be a nice advantage. The problem is that they're, one, the Amiibos are pretty expensive. You know, they can go upwards of 30 to $40, and they're hard to find. So that makes it even worse, because then you've got resellers, or, or as I would call them, scalpers, that uh, sell them for, you know, probably twice as much. So then you're paying $60 to get this, not only get the figure, but you're, of course, are, you know, if, it, if it's for me, you know, it's both... You know, yeah, the coolness of the figure, but also, uh, of course, getting the, the advantages uh, for the video game. Well, uh, and the, the reason I call it Amiibo emulation is because, you know, uh, what's happened is, is that you can buy uh, basically blank. They literally are stickers that have a near field chip in them and you can program them. And what people have been able to do um I, uh, it, it started with Android, uh, phones, uh, and the ability to both record those near field chips and what the information was on them. And then also to be able to write to one of those, uh, stickers, for example. Hold and, on. I'm uh, sorry. I have to interrupt you, but you just said something so interesting to me. Okay. You said it started with Android. Can I do this with my iPhone? So there is, uh, my understanding is, and I just recently read this, is that yes, the iPhone can do, there's an app out there for this now. So double check and, uh, you know, check me on this, but the article that I just recently read said that there was now an app for the iPhone. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if it can write, but at least can read them. Um, but I'm hoping it can do both because yeah, it's oh. really. Okay, it's really... well that you just you just put took the wind right out of my sails with that. <laughs> well, no, like I said, I I you know because I don't have an iPhone, I didn't read into the you know all the things that the app can do. But uh, uh, the the way the article acted was that yeah, you could do both. So. Uh, again, double check me on that, but uh, I'm really hoping that it is available for iPhones because uh, it's such a neat tool. Uh, and I personally, uh, you know, uh, I you know, I guess some people uh, consider it cheating in a way, but to me, uh, Nintendo's made it available through the Amiibo toys or figures, and so to me, it's like. If, if they are selling this as a product and you can, and you can, uh, copy it for, I mean, I, man, I, I think I just bought 50 of those stickers for like 15 bucks. So, 
you know, super, it's a lot cheaper to uh, be able to record uh, one of your own stickers. And you're right, a long time ago, I was super excited about this and gave you one uh, 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 for Zelda, if I remember correctly. And uh, so anyway, uh, really, I think it's really neat. But uh, again, it is kind of an in a weird way, it's kind of an emulation because you're, you are, or really, you're just copying the NFC information to that sticker. But uh, did you double check me? You yeah, check? I'm looking. I'm looking, and it looks like maybe. Uh, I I am very excited about this. So you made me. Yeah, this I I did the one for Breath of the Wild, and you gave me the. I think the Majora's Mask. Yes, that's right. Uh, amiibo on this sticker. Yeah, and I used it a little bit. Uh, the the problem is that uh, I don't know. I think amiibo functionality is just kind of annoying. So I just tend to ignore it now. Right. Like, I'm not really that into buying the figurines, and right, and the functionality is more of a pain than a benefit. So. <laughs> and I played all the way through Metroid Dread in like a day and a half. And oh, did you? Wow. Yeah, and didn't use Amiibos or anything. I just, you know, played just the game. Went played the game. That's awesome. And I don't think... I mean, there's a lot to be said about uh, accessibility and, and ways the games can be improved to make them more playable for all people. And I certainly don't think that Amiibos are the way to do that. Right. Uh, but hey, maybe this is like kind of a backdoor way to make a game more yeah, accessible. Especially, as well, especially for the cost, you know, and yeah. if, you know, and like you said, uh, Metroid Dread, I think is a, is a good example where there's not, there's only a couple of them that real that really do anything for you. And it like, and yeah, it's, it doesn't give you that much of an advantage, but I would argue like, for example, breath of the wild my word you could use there were like man there were like 20 uh different amiibos that you could use even ones that were like mario and a, a metroid one you could use and it would give you like food or it'd give you a treasure chest thing and uh i have to say that and and there were certain swords and certain uh, armor that you could get only through those amiibos. And so for Breath of the Wild, to me, it was just huge because it, you know, and, and it kind of sucked in a way, too, because, yeah, I mean, I would have been furious if, if uh, I wasn't able to copy these amiibos because uh, I was really obsessed with that game. And uh, I really wanted all of the different, you know, uh, all the different uh, armor types and the yeah. rare swords. Yeah. And, you know, I think that is probably the most completed game I've ever done, you know, where I played through every mission, you know, tried to get every single thing I could do. Uh, I, I just, I was totally obsessed with that game. So again, getting those, uh, those near field stickers and being able to use those it, like you said, though, it was kind of a pain because like I would spend 15 minutes, you know, downloading every day, those, 
those different items to see if I could get the rare sword yeah. or if I could get, you know, I mean, I pretty much capped out all my food supplies and everything in that game, just using those silly, uh, near field chips. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that it's, you know, it was in a weird way, it was fun, but I'm so glad I was able to copy them and not have to dish out, you know, cause if you had, you know, 20 of them, uh, my word, if you had all of those in physical form, it would have been so expensive to get that all that out of the out of the Zelda game. So anyway, it is kind of an interesting topic, but uh yes, you're right. It is is not retro yet, but it's certainly something that's available to uh 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 modern gamers and I do like the idea that yeah uh that that it's easily copied and uh because uh, I agree with you. I don't I don't think amiibos were were a good idea. You know, I think they were uh, unfair. You know, to people who had the the money. I guess. Uh, so there are several apps on the App Store. Interesting. Uh, the on for iPhones that do this. Yay! Some of them even include, and there's no way that this is actually like okay by apple's rules or nintendo's but they even include like searchable indexes to download yeah and And, yeah that's right and that's that's the way the ones on the android work is you yeah you you can download an index you have you get the app separate and then you go download the index uh and like literally i just downloaded one and it had everything current up to metroid dread so I had every single amiibo that exists uh, up to like last week, and uh, so pretty crazy. And like you said, certainly not legal in in the world of Nintendo. But I don't really care. Amiibos are ridiculous, personally. I think, and sure. uh, I mean, if you like them, great, good for you. But yeah, um, yeah, if you like collecting them and stuff, that's cool. I don't. I don't particularly appreciate Nintendo's tactic here yeah um, locking out certain parts of a game based on a 15 dollar toy that's right exactly you know because you know? a game like smash bros which has like 85 characters like if you were to want to unlock all the different things you know that's just ridiculous right so, yep I, you well know. like i said yeah you know the zelda game <clears throat> loved that game breath of the wild but uh man yeah i just hated that i couldn't i wouldn't have been able to get some of those rare items without those either the amiibos which is totally lame i i think i'm gonna buy one of these uh rewritable nfc devices and uh yeah and and download one of these apps and i'm gonna get going like crazy <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean it's pretty fun being able to uh yeah. you know like i said i think i bought i just ordered another you know i think i ordered like 50 off of amazon 50 stickers for like 15 bucks but like you said there are devices that are rewritable so you can just buy a device and just record whatever you want on them and then erase them you a big metroid fan i am a big metroid fan me too i love me some metroid love metroid dread i it pains me to say it but it might be taking the place of super metroid as best metroid game because it is very good it's very good and i 
am uncomfortable saying that because Super Metroid, I think, is oh. near perfection. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, I, you know, again, my generation was, you know, the Nintendo. And when Metroid first came out, it was a game changer. You know, it just, yeah. you, you know, even as a kid, I knew this was going to, you know, influence games and sure enough of course you know the metroidvania type games out there now it's amazing all the things that are out there uh yeah. that are inspired by you know castlevania slash metroid and uh uh, uh i i picked up metroid uh dread i've been playing it which actually kind of leads into one of my topics uh that i had was uh I think one of the reasons I like doing this grab bag and yeah, maybe it's early in our podcast, but it's, I just feel like it's a really exciting time for emulation right now. There's just a lot of new things coming out, both in the hardware world uh, and in the software uh, world of emulation. And, you know, briefly, one of the things that I was really, there was a, there was a controversial article that came out. uh, I think it was last week about how, it was it, it it came off as i think it was on kotaku i think the website i think if i'm saying that right yes you're absolutely right i know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah kotaku it was about how it was is okay so i should look it up but the the article if i'm yeah. understanding right if i'm guessing right is uh it was basically like a emulation is good. Don't feel bad if you steal games. Kind of an article. Yeah, was, it, that's why people got mad at it anyway. Is that it was right. trying to say like, go ahead and and emulate Metroid Dread because it's fine. Right. Yeah, and it was, you know, I I read the rewritten article, and you know, of course, it was it was very. So I don't know what the original was, but it was, you know, the, the original was, yeah, it was supposedly like, well, it's just so easy to do. And, 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 you know, and honestly, it, it was true in that I was surprised because I did try, uh, emulating Metroidvania and, or Metroid, Metroid Dread. And, uh, I was, I was surprised how well it ran on my little, uh uh my little pc uh gaming unit that i have but it you know uh, a modern day cpu could easily you know emulate it and emulate it very well it was very playable i was yeah. i was actually kind of surprised yeah. um that being said i i still owned the game you know because i do yeah. especially games like that i definitely want to pay the authors for i want to encourage of course future development of games like that and just like you said it quite possibly could be the new best metroid out there and that says a lot you know that's that's huge uh i'm still playing it i'm a slow poke on it but uh but like it's a hard it's a hard game it it for yeah and you know and you know me it's like uh uh I, I love games. I'm just not really good at them. And uh, so it's going to take me a while, but I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's, it's just uh, really cool. Uh, so with that being said, I want to mention um, my stance personally on emulation and, and 
downloading games you haven't explicitly paid for mm-hmm. to play in emulators, which are two different things. Like emulation itself, which is reverse engineering a hardware-based system to play software on another system, right. is uh, undeniably legal in almost every country and is, I think, morally okay. Agree. Pretty hard to argue around that one. You know, I mean, obviously Nintendo would say, no, you should only play games on the things that we make them to play on. But, yeah, you know, you should be able to, if you can get a thing to run on something that isn't the thing, more power to you. Um, Agreed. Software, on the other hand, is a little bit more gray and everyone is free to make their own ethical, moral decision on this. I think if a game is currently available for purchase and is on a modern current thing, it is a thing that they're actively trying to sell you and have recently made and, you know, all of that, you should buy it. And however you want to play it after that, I think is fair, fair play. Yeah. If it is something that is not available for purchase actively or easily, and you just want to experience the thing, however you acquire it and experience this thing that isn't available for purchase, I think is fine. Honestly, the fact that the only options for playing the game Earthbound are on a 30-year-old system that is not available for purchase because it was extremely rare and the only way to buy it is from collectors for at least $600 or on a failed system from almost a decade ago on an eShop that's surely going to be taken down any day now. (laughs) I think fair play. You want to... Oh, I guess there's one third way of buying it and it's on the SNES Classic that hasn't been available for sale for a couple of years also. Gotcha. I think it's fair play. You want to get that some other way and play it some other way. Big time. Yeah, I think it's I, fine personally. You know, I'm on the same page as you. I I, I think that, uh, you know, especially uh, with emulation getting so advanced nowadays that we can, you know, yeah, the Switch isn't technologically advanced. In fact, it's quite behind the times, but it's still a modern gaming system and uh and yeah it's pretty neat that it can be emulated and yeah they're making great progress on other systems you know the uh you know the 360 the ps3 can be emulated pretty well wow depending on the game as we discussed already those are pretty old at this point and they're pretty old at this point that's a good and that's true you know but even then you know it's uh uh i know that they're I think we're going to see emulation catching up a lot quicker than than we have in the past, and uh, you know, to me, that's that's pretty exciting. But it also brings in that that okay, you know, I can play this, but uh, but it's also readily available for purchase. I totally agree. You know, I would definitely want to uh, to, to encourage the authors and and. Uh, uh, pay for that investment but uh but just like you said you know i'm not into collecting games uh especially on older systems and, and uh you know 
you could spend a fortune, like you said. How much was Earthbound? I think in the low ends, Earthbound is it like seven hundred, six hundred dollars, wow. something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's... yeah. You know, and it's not going to. It's not you know that money's not going to the author. It's not right. going to the company. Yeah, it, Shigesato Itoi is never seeing a cent from an from an eBay purchase you made of, of Earthbound. That's that's right. It's just not going to happen. So there you go. You know, and uh, yeah. so yeah, I totally agree. I think that's you know. Uh, so we do have an interesting thing happening though, and that is that developers of those original games are now developing and or I don't know the the jury's still out on whether Nintendo develops their own or if they kind of like <clears throat> just do some reconfiguring to some open source software or whatever I don't I'm certainly not trying to make allegations on what I'm saying is that Nintendo and others are making emulators for their own things and then reselling them to you yeah vis-a-vis nintendo switch online and i mean they've been selling emulated versions of their games for decades at this point because the uh well i mean the the gamecube is the earliest example i can think of where they were literally packaging and and selling as an incentive of sorts the legend of zelda ocarina of time as an emulated yeah game on the gamecube and the emulator was packaged on the disc along with the game. Fine. Right. And so they've been selling. And then the Wii, of course, famously then took those same principles and then applied emulators to a, a suite of different consoles. And um, you could go in and, and you could even go online and purchase individual games mm-hmm. that were in the. They were all self contained emulated packages. Yeah. Massive, massive, massive. Game. Shop. And today, Nintendo is still doing that, but in a subscription service. Right. And yeah. and it's recently gotten some heat uh, because while it's easy to emulate NES and SNES and sell those and nobody bats an eye at it because it's really easy to, I mean, comparatively easy to do, the N64 recently came to, N- to uh, Nintendo Switch Online as a... Um, expansion pack they call yeah, it yeah that's what's so annoying is you have to and it was additional it very expensive compared yeah. to the previous so the the, in the nintendo switch online at least in america is 20 dollars a year the expansion pack i think is 30 dollars in addition to the 20 dollars. so it's 50 dollars a year to get n64 and sega genesis yeah that's true you do get the sega genesis which which and for me is great but sure. Have you have you have you done it? Have you? No, uh, no, it's not worth the money. Yeah, <laughs> me, me neither. I, I the, just couldn't. I mean, so we'll talk about it in a little bit. But I have a, I have both a way to play a full suite of of Sega Genesis games in full accuracy in HDMI on a modern display and nice. on an analog display, uh, and and sixty four. So they just, I don't need it. It's not for me. It's not worth yeah. the money. If I want the Animal Crossing DLC, I'll just buy the Animal Crossing DLC. Uh, but in in addition to it being a bad deal, just on the surface, uh, the emulation, at least for the N64, is bad. That's what I heard. I was curious to see if you'd seen it yourself. and I So haven't. I haven't played it. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of stuff. And... Yeah. 
and it's pretty disappointing and it is revalidating my decision to not buy it because it's it's uh it's expensive and bad like how could they have gotten it this wrong like the apparently the input latency is really high wow like the rendering of certain aspects are is really bad mm. i just i don't understand why they've done this why they couldn't have put more effort into it because because homebrew efforts to emulate these systems are ages old yeah and really good at this point they are yeah and uh why can't they i mean i know i understand that they won't be able to compete on every possible feature that are offered in these homebrew emulators sure because sure. there's just a ton and offering that many features is actually not a good business move because consumers will go ah, oh, it's too complicated and i don't like it and, and i get it exactly but could you at least make it run well yeah like at the bare minimum could it just render fog in zelda like <laughs> yeah. could you when you push the button could it do the thing quickly you know right yeah some very basic stuff. I'm not asking for you to give me 20 different kinds of filters. I'm asking to just render the thing good. Uh, I, I totally agree. And, and it, it is shocking that, you know, as we've seen with Super Mario uh, 64, or Mario 64, uh, that was reverse engineered by someone. In, and, you know, having that ability... They, they made an excellent version for the PC. So Nintendo has those files, has the ability to reverse engineer those games. So if they wanted to, they, I mean, they should, their emulation should be the very best, you know, and they still, they by far are, you know, yeah, one of the worst. And that's the thing that's actually so weird about this is that there's actually two things here. First, Nintendo was best in class at emulating their own stuff forever ago. Right. I mean, they, emu were. they emulated Zelda on the GameCube only a few years after it came out. Like, that's that's an impressive feat that uh, only somebody with the resources of Nintendo could have pulled off and, in fact, was so successful for them that they made it a core feature of the system after that. Exactly. Uh, but then also they already put Super Mario 64 on the Switch in an emulated fashion and it works better than the version of the Nintendo Switch Online that they have sold you, which is so crazy. Yep. I, I don't get it. Uh, I don't either. I, I was really surprised and, and disappointed. I, you know, I thought about doing the subscription just went before it, it had been released um just so i could see it because i was expecting it to be great and i'm so glad that i waited and didn't yeah. because like you after reading these articles and seeing some videos and stuff like that it just is like wow uh i i i hope that they go back to the drawing board on this one uh and uh I don't have a lot of faith, if I'm being honest, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they uh, uh, improve 
the emulation, but like yeah. you, I'm kind of, I have my doubts at this point. So because this is tangentially related, I'll just talk about it. I already, before we started recording, mentioned to you that I have been using my Nintendo 64. Finally, my mod has been finished. The N64 Yay. digital HDMI output mod has been installed and it is working and it is awesome. It is really cool. Um, I've been streaming. Oh, this is another topic, but I'll, I'll mention more later. But I've been streaming using it, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it can do simultaneous analog and digital output. So I've got a mm. CRT on my desk, and I will play both of them. I'll have it running both at the same time. And the features on it are really cool. It scales really well. It has a lot of scan line functions which do not work well if you render it and process it and compress it for the internet but on the display you're looking at it's great um, so there's cool. a lot of actually really cool features that i didn't even show you because wow. you know we're on a video chat where it not only does it do scan lines but it also it also has a deblur function and uh, it has built-in scan line, um, like, uh, I, I don't want to say emulation. It's got scan line templates mm. where it can mimic the visual output of an aperture grill or a shadow mask CRT. Wow. So it can do the, the density and the separation of the uh, phosphors on a CRT. It can kind of mimic that on your, on your LCD or, you know, your, your modern digital display. And it's really cool. Wow. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's amazing. I, I love messing. With, I just mess with the features, honestly. It's, it's kind of a problem. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm really glad that you showed it to me because uh, I was just amazed at the, the list of things that you could do. You yeah. Know? And I would be playing with all the, you know, I'd be playing with that more than I'd be playing a game, you know. That's my problem. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of good that my actual good, like big CRTs are physically distant from my <laughs> LCD panels because... Uh, and uh, to be honest, probably the actual best CRT I have is the one on my desk, but it's only like eight inches. So yeah, the other ones are what I use more often for actually playing games. And, uh, and those I, I kind of just plug directly in and I just play analog and it's, it's a great experience. In fact, the N64 is, is just meant to be done on a CRT more than any other system. It's kind of difficult to play, even with the filters on a digital display. But I'm having a lot of fun with that lately. Uh, and it's, it's a hefty price tag. Um, but combined with my EverDrive 64, this is a really incredible experience with the N64. I've been playing ROM hacks uh, wow. of 64 games. I've been playing uh, childhood favorites. Um I realized I'd never played Ocarina of Time Master Quest. I think I'm going to go through that oh, cool. on here. Maybe I'll stream that as well. Uh, so that's what I've been up to lately mostly is, is playing my N64 and just enjoying all the cool features I get with this uh, N64 digital uh, mod. 
So uh, tell me about, uh, especially now that you have the ability to compare both in different mm. ways, you know, uh, filters versus an actual CRT. Have, have, how, you know, how, how far have we come with actual filters and what those uh, look like compared to using one of your real CRTs? So uh, we have come an incredible way with filters. Um, filters look honestly really good. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say, especially for the N64, if you were playing an N64 game on a digital display like an LCD or an OLED or something like that, that I think the appropriate way to play it and appropriate sorry it's everyone's got a personal preference but i think one of the best ways to play it on a modern display is with a scanline filter of some sort uh there's a bunch of words that get thrown around these days for uh the kinds of filters you can apply um polyphase uh oh boy i don't even it's it's like polyphase uh it's not scan lines oh man i don't even remember so so both the retro tink which is a scaler and these hdmi mods do like a polyphase algorithm to decide Mm. how they scale the image because it's taking of course like a 240p image and trying to scale it to 720 1080 1200p usually is where they start to cap out 1440p maybe maybe um so scaling you got to use like what's called a polyphase scaler i think is actually what what the term is and and that yeah yeah uses these really fancy algorithms that say okay if this color's here and this color's here but we have to like decide where to merge them we'll do this thing so that it's a really sharp crisp thing in between them even though the actual math on that is that we have to blend them and it goes no 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 we shouldn't blend them we'll do the math to say okay we we will just divide the space between them and then not blend them and cut it in between somehow magic i don't know it's honestly engineering above my ability to understand but it's really fancy um, so a combi- the polyphase scaling combined with these adaptive scan lines, which which are doing math to identify how much of certain colors are going into a line that it's drawing. Wow. So that it knows how thick to draw the line. That's so crazy. white lines are are fatter than like a single red or a green or a blue. Or if it's like you know, a yellow, it's going to be a little bit fatter than a red or a blue, but it's going to be thinner than a white. And then it does like a tapering in the scan line. They look really good. Yeah. And like I was saying, they can even do like imitations of particular kinds of displays so that it can do like an, an aperture grill, which are famous for their brighter colors, but also for their vertical, um, even, uh phosphor alignment uh you could do like a shadow mask or a dot mask uh really just fancy stuff is really cool and they look really good but a crt in its analog glory is always just going to look a little bit fuzzier than that and there's and also brighter and i Mm. might be nitpicking 
which is a pun on purpose, but uh, <laughs> it's just going to give you this gl- fuzzy glow that, that can't be recreated on a modern display. Yeah. Uh, and so I will always prefer to look at the CRT, even though it's smaller, because it just looks better than whatever filters I put on it yeah. uh, on the modern display. There's a lot of talking, so I'm sorry. I would no, like to no, hear. No, no, no. That's really good stuff because, you know, I, I, uh, I go back and forth on using filters. You know, sometimes I prefer them, sometimes I don't. It just, it, it, I don't know if it's the game. I Actually, it's probably the game itself that determines that for me personally. But, but I was curious because, yeah, like I said, you you actually have some really nice CRT monitors that you can compare, and 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 I and I I totally I'm excited that we've gotten that advanced. I even I didn't realize how advanced they've they've gotten for for the filters or you know setups. Uh, but uh, well, uh, but it's also comforting to know that CRTs are still the best way they are uh, it's you know maybe one day we'll get there but but today a 20 year old 30 year old tv is still actually a better way to experience some of these games Uh, it's funny you say per game though because the everdrive in combination with the n64 digital actually has a feature where it will remember per game settings nice so if you prefer you can turn a per game setting option on and then it'll remember how you have set your display settings wow so when you launch that game from the everdrive it will match it so that if for example there are not very many 2d games on the n64 but dr mario 64 is one that i've been playing yeah and uh there may be differing opinions on this but it is a 2d game and may look much better in some ways with crisp pixels with sharp pixel edges right than than fuzzed edges just because of the nature of 2d art versus 3d art whereas like a 3d game like super mario 64 yeah may look actually better with the fuzzy lines and the and the filters because it's right. trying to draw you know on the z-axis and so when you sharpen those pixels it just kind of looks like a blurry mess and when you actually let it be blurry the things blur into a way that makes it actually more readable yeah i totally agree and in fact that's really cool that it could do that that's neat uh yeah so anyway Wow, that's a lot of cool cool stuff to to mess with if you ever get a chance and and emulators do a lot of this too but emulators have a hard time reaching analog displays so right yeah i I love that you can do both analog Uh, and digital out too i i want to hear about your raspberry pi zero two w which is very new and what you plan to do with it so yeah um yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, it came out like last week, and uh, uh, I right away jumped onto one of the sites in in England that that usually sells stuff really quickly. And uh, sure enough, they had it. I ordered it. Uh, I think I did pay for a little extra to get it shipped faster. Uh, you got to pay that customs fee, you know. 
that's right and uh <laughs> uh but it, yeah it showed up and uh, uh i've powered it up and uh it's really it really does run like uh in comparison uh it really does have the cpu of a pi 3 um uh the full blown version of a of the raspberry pi 3 so uh it's a huge upgrade you know uh they went up to uh, 512 megabytes of RAM and, and yeah, when, uh, the processor I think was single core on the original and now it's like a quad core, you know, it, it's a big upgrade. Uh, and it, you can immediately tell the difference. It's so amazing to have this little tiny little board and processor, you know, this tiny little board and plug it into this huge monitor and, and fire it up and, uh, watch it run it's just amazing to me uh, uh how far they've come into all of that and as we were talking earlier it's kind of magical that uh all these different boards that are coming out uh whether you know whether it's you know a, a raspberry pi or whether it's one of the adrenos or whatever you know there's tons of different boards out there nowadays um asus even made made one uh, and actually a pretty good one i had one of their asus boards for a while um, it's just amazing. But anyway, with the, the with the, the Pi Zero 2, uh, what I'm excited about is um, Retro Flag, I think it's the company, makes a, uh, uh, is, it, is it Replicate, I think, is that what it's called? Anyway, it's a, it's basically a, um, it looks just like the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. It's really amazing. And uh, instead of the actual cartridge for the for the games, though, you actually uh, you actually fit a Raspberry Pi uh, zero into one of these little uh, cartridge units. And then there's a micro SD card. And basically, you can emulate, you know, any game that or any system that that will run on on that on a on a pi zero and of course the problem with that was is at best you could do eight bit systems 16 bit was you know too much and oh really you know, so that, the original pi zero was like it couldn't do snes it could and it it, it does but i would say that it uh uh, it chugged a little bit. It chugged a little bit. There's yeah. some frame skipping, uh, and sometimes sound skipping. So, but I mean, overall, I mean, it was playable, but you know, it certainly wasn't my preferred, you know, setup. So it was such a neat portable gaming system though. Cause like I said, it, you know, it looked like an old, uh, original Game Boy, but they added buttons. So it had like four buttons and then it had side buttons and, uh, yeah, it was in it in the screen was really nice. Uh, but, uh, but like, yeah, it was just underpowered, unfortunately. So, uh, the good news is, is that this Pi Zero 2 will, uh, work because they, they use the same exact board. Um, my understanding with the same power requirements. So, um, uh, and I just read an article, uh, online that confirmed that, uh, indeed uh you'll be able to drop this uh zero two into one of the retro flag game boy units uh 
so it's going to be, I'm really excited. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. You showed me this thing. Out. Honestly, it was probably like two and a half years ago now. Yeah. Uh, it's been out for a long time. It's really cool. Um, I, I have to imagine that this is what this thing was really meant for because yes. the, uh, the Pi Zero 2 is like a, a Raspberry Pi 3B plus. That's but right. Tiny, yeah. But very small. And it, and it has right. less RAM, but yeah, the less 3B RAM. plus has like, uh, I mean, it could run an almost n64 games yeah. which means playstation probably comfortably oh yeah yeah i'm sure playstation will be fine um yeah yeah it's definitely gonna up you know it's gonna emulate uh pretty much all my favorite systems you know uh it's not gonna uh, older systems i should say you know the playstation one it should run just fine uh like you said i'm not expecting dreamcast or or uh or uh n64 emulation on it we'll see i'll certainly test it out so in a future uh future podcast i'll definitely bring it up again and let you know what i was able to run on because i do think that this system uh is a great way to test out um the emulation capability of of the 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 pi zero because uh it runs a standard um uh Oh, emulation system. You know, it's not using some custom system. It it runs. Uh, oh, uh, RetroPie or yeah. uh, uh, what's what's the other one? That's emulation Station, which is also like yeah. uh, packaged as part of RetroPie. Yeah, good point. Uh, it can run both of those on there, so it'll be. Oh, a good and test. you might also be thinking of uh, RetroArch. Yeah, RetroArch, that's which another is, one. Which is, so RetroPie is just like a packaging, really, of all these different pieces. It, it really Emulation is. Station is, is like part of the like interfacing, and uh, RetroArch is the collection of uh, Linux-based emulation right. uh, packages. So Yeah, and you can download individual packages, all that fun right. stuff. Right, right. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it, it can run those. So that's the kind of the nice thing about this setup is that it's it's pretty standardized. So yeah, yeah, I look forward to testing it out. Uh, hopefully later this week. So you you have a lot of uh, of these strange to me because I don't have them. These strange like <laughs> computer emul like almost purpose built emulator H emulator emulation systems that are a lot a lot of them based on the raspberry pi um including one that i'm going to come up to your house later this week to uh help you build which is the piecade and then you also sent me this replicade which looks like the piecade but like more purpose built yeah um which one of your Raspberry Pi-based emulation devices is your favorite? You know, when it comes to, if it's, if it's Raspberry, you know, and it, it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of, like you said, I, I do collect a ton of uh, these uh, purpose-built different uh, 
portable gaming systems. I'm kind of obsessed with with all of those as well. And so, you know, well, a lot and of those. You also show, I mean, one I didn't even list was like this NES. It probably is made by the same people as the Game Boy one. It was like an NES shell. It, it was, yeah. And you like could put like an SSD in it. Yep. And that's probably my, that is probably my favorite. And again, it is made by Retroflag. Uh, they're, they're, they're a neat company uh, that's really jumped on the emulation hardware bandwagon, you know? And uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite is it, 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 it looks like a Nintendo entertainment system, classic NES. Uh, you, you put in, uh, in what they updated it very quickly so that, uh, like if, if, you know, Raspberry Pi 5 comes out, I, I'm guaranteeing you that the week later they'll have a new one of these cases that'll <laughs> support the Raspberry Pi 5, you know. Uh, but what I was so excited about is with, with, uh, uh, with the current version, of course, it could use uh, the Raspberry Pi 4, which added, you know, you know a massive speed boost, uh, made it much easier to use SSD uh, or add-on drives uh, for it, and so and and that's exactly what they did. Is they they took a, put the put the board in there. So you install the board. You have to buy the board, the Raspberry Pi separately. You put that in, and then it came with yeah. It looks like a Nintendo cartridge, uh, NES cartridge, uh, and you pop that open, and you can fit an SSD uh, drive in it, and uh, close it up and and then you can plug it into the cartridge slot just like you would with the Nintendo so it's it it's it's a neat uh, experience because you can both one you can run a ton of different systems on this you know not just Nintendo but um, but the physical experience is so fun to be able to mm -hmm. you know, uh, pop open the little door, slide in a cartridge. You don't you you don't press down like you would on a Nintendo. You know the original Nintendo one. You would you know you would push it into the slot and then press down. Uh, yeah, it was a terrible design. It was a terrible design. You know, it was really silly. So this one is kind of nice. You just slide in the SSD and and you can also buy additional uh, cartridge cases, which I've done. So I've got two different SSD drives that have kind of different purposes one is like uh one is basically just eight bit systems so i put it in there and that's all the it's uh the menu everything is designed uh uh around eight bit systems so it just feels very eight bit yeah uh, experience and then the other one that i have has basically everything on it so uh, but yeah, that's probably, you know, that one I would definitely say is my favorite just because again, it's got that physical neat aspect to it where the other thing that they did is they, where you would have the, the, um, controller plugs, they, they replaced those with USB and that oh, was yeah. nice too. So you could plug in, if you wanted to, you could plug in physical connectors, uh, physical, uh, USB controllers right into those ports. I use a, uh, uh oh the uh what's that company called the the one that makes yeah that company eight bit dough eight bit dough they are amazing i they just make some of the i happily will 
will uh, give them free advertising and say that they're just they just make awesome controllers and uh, they were one of the again they were one of the first to really embrace emulation uh, uh, hardware uh, and so it was so exciting to see that those were so compatible with a lot of emulated systems and uh, easy to use with uh, Raspberry Pis so. Uh, yeah, so I just use one of those instead of anything plugged in. Dave Bindo just they needs to make that. an they they need to make a two point four gigahertz receiver and and uh, transmitter, I suppose, N sixty four version, right? They've got an they've got SNES, they've got Sega Genesis, they've got a yeah. bunch of different NES, they've got PlayStation, they've got a bunch of different retro consoles that they've built, right. replacement dongles and and wireless versions right. of they don't have an n64 version yeah and i would like that, that this controller awesome. is a nightmare it is uh <laughs> it is. <laughs> and there are replacement controllers uh there's like a brawler 64 and there's a hori pad and there's a bunch of others there's a tribute mm. 64 or something but the problem is that none of them get the analog stick right mm. the analog stick is so weird it is weird and they need i need something that can replace this n64 controller but anyway yeah i love 8-bit though <laughs> i do too and you're right i think that'd be great just like you said you know when the when the mini systems came out once again they jumped on that and made uh receivers and and uh uh and the controllers and yeah. the controller yeah the controller for whatever you know the sega genesis is a good example i loved the sega genesis controller and so uh ebitdo made a really great uh improved version of of the classic yes love yeah just love that controller it was uh it's a good controller i, I think the is. three button controller is a good controller I do need a six-button controller for six-button games, but yeah. uh, so I'm actually I'll probably buy the eight-bit no yeah. six-button just because. Yeah, and, and I think it's a it's it 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 feels good and it it feels like the the original. So yeah. I you know if if I had a choice of buying a used six-button or buying the eight-bit do version, I would buy the eight-bit. You know yeah yeah um all right well we're, we've somehow managed to fill more time than i expected us to yet again so easy so easy i, I know so I, before we go yeah you don't mind i'm gonna say that i've been streaming on twitch lately uh mostly retro games almost entirely retro games especially if you consider ps3 retro games <laughs> uh <laughs> the ps3 in particular is difficult to capture because the HDMI is HDCP and there's no way to turn it off. And really? So you, have to, you have to capture an analog out on it uh, in order to get footage of it. Wow. So I've been playing analog capture PS3. I've been playing a lot of N64 and older systems on twitch.tv slash press left is my thing. Press and I've been having fun nice uh i'm on paternity leave right now so i've been actually doing it during the day but but when i'm off paternity leave it's going to be in the evenings like when we record and uh so anyway if anybody listening wants to 
come hang yeah. out twitch.tv slash press left nice uh and i'll be playing usually retro games i, I would say it's like a 60 to 70 percent retro to like 30 to 40 percent not retro because sometimes cool. i want to play a modern game on there but i'm such a dork that i you know i, I like gotta play some retro all the time uh what's your uh have you streamed any modern games so far uh i don't know i did i did have my ps5 on the other day but i don't remember what i was playing on stream i think most recently i streamed some spelunky 2 mm. uh and i'm also thinking about doing bloodborne i'm like a quarter maybe of the way through bloodborne and uh and I need to finish it up, mostly because I only have an E rank on PSN profiles for the trophies in that game, and I want more trophies. <laughs> and everyone says it's great, so... Right on. I'm going to finish it up. But, uh... Now, mostly retro games. Mostly just been playing N64. <laughs> and what was the Twitch link again? Uh, Twitch.tv slash press left. Like, press on left. your D-pad... On this here Sega Genesis right. controller, you want to press left. Nice. Which is an old joke about Duke Nukem. Because I thought it was very funny. There was a... Uh, the the Duke Nukem Forever had like a instruction screen. You know how you used to have load screens? Yeah. And on those load screens, sometimes they would, they would put the control map of the controller and say like what button does what. And in Duke Nukem Forever, it, it, on the D-pad which was rarely used in that era of games. Yeah. The left button was beer. And I thought it was very funny that you would press left for beer. <laughs> and so I, I named myself press left. That's awesome. Love it. <laughs> and that's the story of that. So. Hey, that's cool. I, I had no clue. So that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone. This has been uh, retro resolutions a podcast about retro games and you can also send us comments and feedback to retro res pod at gmail.com and you can also come check me out playing video games sometimes on twitch.tv slash press left it's been a pleasure it has <laughs>